podcast where we explore wellness, well-being, intuitive business, spirituality, all the fun stuff with a lot of enthusiasm and a healthy dose of irreverence. I'm Michelle Pelazon, the host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And today we are closing the chapter on our manifestation deep dive. If you haven't been tuning in, or if this is your first time listening to the podcast, hi, welcome. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at the idea of manifestation. And manifestation is uber popular right now. It's having a bit of a renaissance on TikTok and on Instagram. And we really wanted to go deep on this because we put out a podcast with our friend Amanda Chase about her really negative experience working with a manifestation guru in LA and all the problematic aspects of manifestation that she experienced firsthand. And when we put this podcast out in January, so many people replied and were like, yeah, me too. Like, I feel like I've been gaslit, but also there's one part of me that kind of feels like manifestation works. And there's another part of me that feels like it's bullshit. And I'm just so confused. And I feel so jaded and bummed because I really do think that manifestation through the law of attraction, through the secret, through Deepak Chopra, whatever, is often people's foray into spirituality or alternative spirituality and sort of magic and mysticism because it's a little bit more mainstream and acceptable to talk about. And I can see like if that you get burned, like being really butthurt around everything in this space. And that really makes me bummed. So we wanted to just look at manifestation as a topic in whole and acknowledge those two sides, right? That there's some really problematic shit that gets said by not everyone, but by some people around law of attraction that completely ignores things like systemic oppression, that completely ignores marginalization, that completely re-victimizes people who did not ask to be victimized or abused. And it happened to them. And also there's some really empowering, cool elements of what we call manifestation. And so we have had Jaleesa Cypress on and Milana Snow. And this week we have the lovely, brilliant Sharon Eskandani on the podcast. We kind of have been fangirling over Sharon for a while. We found her through Instagram, you know, the cosmic matchmaker really. And we found a video that she posted about how manifestation and law of attraction originally came from BIPOC and should be reclaimed by BIPOC spiritual teachers and how indigenous cultures and practices reference manifestation and law of attraction. And that totally gets wiped out in the sort of mainstream goop telling of what manifestation is. And I thought that was really fascinating. I remember where I was sitting when Wallace DM'd me that video and just being like, that's fucking boss. We have to have this woman on the podcast and talk to her. And we've been following her for like a year since that happened. So we're delighted to have her on the episode today and to talk about, you know, ask some questions, tough, tough questions about manifestation and law of attraction and all that it entails. The thing that I keep thinking about is how it never worked for me. You know, every time I'd like write down a list of things that I wanted, even when I was trying to embody like a feeling or, you know, whatever, I feel like it totally backfired. And 
that really turned me off to the idea of manifestation. It made me be like, that shit's not real. Like writing shit down on a list isn't real. I write down lists all day long and things don't get done. And I desperately want them to happen. And I trust me, my self-worth is very high. So I don't know why they are not just magically happening. And this feels like a fool's errand and I feel stupid writing this stuff down and believing in it and desperate only to have it not come true and not happen. And it seems like a waste of time. I'll speak totally speaking from the eye to just like write all this shit down that you like want as opposed to and spend all this time like pining after it as opposed to just like making it happen. You know, like it's kind of like you can spend like 30 hours writing lists and manifesting and meditating, or you can just like start sending the emails. And I think that that's going to be my thing with spirituality always is, yeah, I totally believe in spirit and God and, and the universe and that like the choices that we make ripple outwards and that we can collapse timelines with a thought. And also I believe in the universal law of action, which says we have to be in action to, for, to make things done. And sometimes I think these methods are very contradictory and really confusing. And maybe you're a little bit like me and you have an embarrassing notebook full of lists of things that you wanted to happen that you wrote down that when you look back at them, you realize you really didn't want those things or you did actually really want those things and they still didn't happen. And you did all the homework, but he still didn't pass the class. And I think that this conversation with Sharin, if you're anything like me, will perhaps reignite your trust in the idea of what we call manifestation. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons that our bullshit meter, well, let me go back. In spiritual and wellness spaces, new age spaces, I think that we're often confronted with two things, right? Where we feel this like direct pull to something that feels true, that we recognize as truth. Like it's vibrating on a frequency, not to sound like a total freak, but like it's vibrating at some level that you're like, that is pure and true. And there's also some veneer over it of like culty bullshit where you're like, okay, there's something about this that feels right. But every other second is freaking me out. And I kind of feel like you're going to steal my soul to be eternally youthful or something. I mean, dude, that was totally my experience with Kundalini when I first moved to LA. It's like, this feels right, but this also feels like a cult. So I don't know what to do here. And often we're confronted by that, right? And we've got kind of two options. We either can lean into what's true and be like, you know what? There's something about this that feels true and I'm going to go with it. And there are some red flags, but I'm going to ignore them because the truthiness is heavier. Or we go the other direction. We're like, the cult vibes are too strong. And that means that we might be missing out on something really potent because there is some nugget of truth there. But we got ourselves out of that bad situation. So I'm proud of us for that. And I think that this happens a lot. And for me, what I, the pattern that I see as a projector is that this happens, this veneer of bullshit happens when we get further and further away from the root of what that truth is. And I think that this happens when we whitewash practices and we appropriate practices from people who we didn't, who like didn't give us permission to practice and appropriate them, you know, and borrow them and use them. And as we get further away from the original source, the message gets muddied. And the tone, the tone is 
the feeling is still there, right? It's so pure. When the truth is there, when love is there, love is truth, you feel it. Even if it's mired in just like caked in dirt and bullshit and nonsense, you still feel something. But the package ain't that sweet. And I think that this is my problem with manifestation. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that there's a nugget of truth there, kernel of truth that feels right. But we've gotten so far away from the practices and principles of it that it just feels icky. And so maybe it's our responsibility when we feel that bullshit meter go off to try to get to the root, to do our research, to keep asking questions, not to sound like a QAnon, but to stay curious and enthusiastic. There's a lot of truth out there that's obscured by the nonsense and the the sort of vehicle that it arrives to us in. And that doesn't mean we should excuse the vehicle. It actually means we should go back to the source not who shipped it to us. And that's our job. (laughs) That's like our sacred work. That's part of learning the lesson. That's part of the spirituality of it, right? And I think that's kind of cool. Anyways, I think you're really going to love this episode with Sharon. She's so smart and so funny. And she's a life coach. She's a manifestation expert. And she's also a trained opera singer, like super casual, no big deal. You're going to love her. And I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. So without further ado, here's Sharon. Welcome to the 12th house. We're so excited to be talking to you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So like we were kind of talking about right before we hit record, Wallace and I have been eh, like a little bit insta-stalking you for a while, watching your content because we have sort of delved into the idea of manifestation here on the podcast in some ways that it might potentially be problematic and how people set it up in the spiritual space and the new age space. And your content is the breath of fresh air. Like the way that you talk about manifestation is really grounded and thoughtful and not like gaslighty of anyone's experience while also being really magical. And I just want to know, have you always been like a a balanced person? Have you always been able to sort of walk between those two worlds of magic, but also of like being a real human? (laughs) That's a great question. Like yes and no. I think I found that balance in the last few years as I've kind of really gone on my own journey of like self-discovery. I always say with spirituality, I'm like, it's hashtag spirituality with a side eye. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That Yes. Yes. And so for me, I love how like coming at it with a sense of realism and, but also humor and also belief. Like I think that this stuff needs some belief and faith and hope. And so I think for me, it It was all about developing that sense of belief and hope and faith, which I think can be a really difficult thing to do, especially if you have had, like most people listening, I don't think anyone has not had any trauma of some sort in their lives. And so for me, this journey of self-discovery has been one of honoring and acknowledging where I come from and what has happened to me. And then leaning into the joy, the ease, the hope, and the faith, which can be really scary because that's the place where it's just like, just unknown and vulnerability. And so that's what the journey for me has been over the past five, six years. But I've always been a very optimistic and 
joyful person. I've never been the most kind person to myself. That's something that I've had to really develop. I've always like, I'm sure like a lot of people, like I'm very kind to other people, but looking back, I realized what a dick I was to myself for many years. <laughs> so I think Co-sign, co-sign I think that. that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my partner sometimes makes a joke when I'm like working late or something. I'll be like, wow, your boss is a real fucking asshole. Cause like I'm my own boss and yes. like, I have yes. to do this thing. And he's like, no, you don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. Did you grow up spiritual or religious? So I was born in Iran. My family is Muslim. However, my parents don't practice. And so, and I think also that has a lot to do with what happened in Iran. So there was a revolution, the country became Islamic. And I think that that really pushed a lot of people because of its significance and like what happened to the country because of religion, right? And so for us in our household, you know, we would probably say like, I'm Muslim, but it's not what we practiced in our home. My mom though, was always super spiritual. And we, she was like, we, I grew up, so my family immigrated to Canada, to Vancouver when I was four, quite young. And my mom like took to Tai Chi and meditation and Buddhism. And she just like loved it. Like she was the weird mom who would be doing like tai chi poses in the park which now i'm like whoa but like then i was like this is the oh worst. my gosh you're yeah like, you're like in a new place me. right you're like i just want to fit in please mom yes. Yes. <laughs> and so i'm super super grateful for that though because i think i grew up with it i grew up with it in our household and we were very free to kind of explore what felt good for us but i don't mm-hmm. think i really identified as a spiritual person until again like six or six or seven years ago when I started to really get into self-growth and self-development. And I think one of those, one of the things I had to really come to terms with was that at the time, especially the spiritual world was very white, was like extremely white. And so it felt like a space in which I didn't belong. I didn't fit in. And also the themes that they were talking about were not themes that I could identify with. And Mm. again, it felt very spiritually bypassy. We still have that happening now, but thank goodness we have more access to really amazing thinkers who are thinkers who are BIPOC and who have, you know, like just so much more now that back then it was very white. And I think that also kind of turned me away from the spiritual world for a very, very long time. Yeah. Only thank God it, things are changing, but wellness has traditionally centered rich, wealthy, and white. And that's why it looked a certain way and has grown in certain communities like coastal communities, as opposed to focus on, you know, other places, the the whole middle of the United States, other countries, and it's become a class issue, right? It's really something, it was something that wellness and well-being was for people and spirituality is for people who are affluent and who have enough time to think about themselves and not just survive. And I think we're seeing and understanding that that doesn't have to be true. Like that actually on on that pyramid of like our hierarchy of needs, self-actualization isn't at the top. It's maybe actually at the bottom. Mm -hmm. A pyramid needs to be flipped on its head. Wow. Because you said faith and I feel like we don't use that word a lot. I don't hear that word a lot in the spiritual space because Mm. it feels a little bit more entwined with religion. Yeah, I think how tricky that can be of being like, what's really toxic 
positivity and what's faith and how to navigate that. I, I think it's still not clear for a lot of people who are interested in manifestation once they get into it. hundred percent agree. And so because I didn't grow up in a religious household, the word faith for me doesn't have as heavy a connotation. However, I work with a lot of people who grew up in a very religious, very religious upbringing, right? Which they now see as maybe wasn't the most healthy environment for them or that they're carrying a lot of beliefs that are quite hard to untangle, right? So the word faith can be hard. However, for me, so a belief is just a repeated thought. Hmm. That's all it is, right? Our beliefs are just thoughts that we, whether it is a thought we heard at church or a thought we heard in a book or a thought a parent said or thoughts we say to ourselves, like that is the foundation and recipe for a belief. And what is faith? Faith is just beliefs. So for me, faith is about becoming really intentional with the thoughts that we repeat to ourselves, the thoughts that we allow in our space, the thoughts that we allow to reverberate for us. So no, you're absolutely right. That word faith I know has a lot of heaviness to it, but for me, faith is about like reclaiming the thoughts and the things you say and the, the thoughts that surround you. Yeah. I have so much anxiety and I'm like, fuck, I got to change my thoughts. But then also, can I like, how do, how does someone who has anxiety do that? And is the job to like get over the anxiety or is it to just have a quantum, be equanimous about it and be like, that's part of me too. Like, I'm, I'm curious your perspective. So it like, I think I'm so excited to have this discussion because we are talking about mindset and manifestation. I think those two things are like inextricably linked. And also there is this like, so if we kind of know some of the basics of manifestation, like even if it's just like the secret or whatever it's, and, and the basics are the principles of it. Right. But they're not explained very well, which is like the thoughts you think is what you create in your life, right. which can be extremely stressful for someone who's like, Oh my God, I have the worst thoughts. And so I am creating yep. like all this. Right? I need to tell you when I go to the grocery store and I leave the window open with the screen at my house and my dog's in the house, I spend the 15 minutes I'm at the grocery store wondering about whether my dog jumped through the window and got hit by a car in the middle of the street. Like that is the, that's like a normal day. <laughs> and I, the thing is, I'm like, Hey, Pelazon, that's probably not true. It's cool. Like you need to go on with your life. But yes, I've always struggled with the thoughts become things. Cause I'm like, that's not true. Cause my thoughts right. are whack. <laughs> yes. And so I think we're touching upon something really important here, which is like certain things like you know, neurodivergence, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever it is, like those are very real things. And therapy is an amazing tool. You know what I'm saying? And toxic positivity is not going to cure your anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. like, and so having the tools such as medication or therapy, they're really, really important. I think that's something that's very harmful within this wellness spaces where it's a both and right? Like Absolutely. we can practice these principles of manifestation and spirituality, and we can also take Lexapro or whatever, you know, whatever we're taking. And that's we totally- stand, We stand therapy here. We're big right, fans of therapy. Right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and drugs. Um, yes, 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 yes. I love it. I love and it. vaccines. Like we really like science here. <laughs> but I think where kind of what happens is in the world of manifestation and mindset is- we think that in order to create what we want to create, we're supposed to be able to say things like, 
you know, I am enough. I trust the divine timing of my life. Really beautiful phrases. These are beautiful phrases. However, if you have been saying for 20, 30, 40 plus years, the opposite of that, saying that is going to feel energetically disingenuous, just wrong. And then you have the shame of, oh my gosh, I can't say I trust the divine timing of my life. There's something. So you get this like, it just builds up on each other, right? So Mm. I call these Mount Everest thoughts. They're wonderful thoughts. We'll get to the summit, but you haven't even gotten to base camp yet. And so for me, it's finding the thoughts that meet you where you're at now, but allow you to slowly work your way up to those thoughts, right? So Abraham Hicks, and now I know that there's some problem. So it's so tough because a lot of these books and resources on manifestation have really great tools and resources in them. Mm-hmm. However, there is a lot of highly problematic things with them too. So I'm going to say Abraham Hicks. I've learned yeah. a lot of great stuff from them, but they have this idea, which is find the best feeling thought you have access to. Mm when it comes to manifestation. And I call this like a better feeling thought. So it's like, whatever can take you just feeling a little bit better when it comes to just even our well-being. But if we're talking in the terms of manifestation, that little shift in energy changes everything. And we think Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be at the summit, but we've all had that experience where it's like, I don't know, you go from like, let's say you broke up with someone and you go from grief which is like on the, on the vibrational scale, just a little bit lower, you go from grief to anger and anger is actually higher than that. Mm. And then all of a sudden you get to anger and you're like, well, fuck that person. I don't even care. And then like, then you get the text from them or, or, you know, like just that slight shit. Can you read my mind? (laughs) Every time, can we just pause and talk about that for a second? Yeah. Because every time I have fully let go of the situation, I get a text message that hour that I'm like not thinking about it. Finally, I'm like, it's, I've let go of it. And I'm just curious about your take on that as it relates to manifestation. That's manifestation, right? Like that, you, that slight energetic shift is you sending out the energy and that, that per, like what, however anyone wants to read into this, but like, I just, that energetic shift changes it and they can mm. sense it. And like, cause I think also we think we're supposed to be, so if, if there is this vibrational scale, the lowest is shame and the highest is enlightenment. And we all think we're supposed to be at enlightenment. No, we just have to be trying our best. Mm-hmm. You know, the universe, like we're, now we're getting into the terms, but like, I really, whatever you want to call it, source or universe or whatever, it picks up on that shit, right? Like we, and again, like I, I also, again, spirituality with side eye, right? We are made of atoms. Atoms are 99.9999999% energy. So there's an energetic force field around all of us, right? And so this scale kind of like, right, when you go to anger or acceptance, so where it shifts, which I think is really, really powerful, is the biggest like jump from like kind of the, the lower ones. I don't like to say lower, but like the ones that have less vibration, mm-hmm. the shift is courage. Courage is where there's, there's the biggest shift. And then acceptance is actually even higher than courage. So if we can get to a place of acceptance, like they left me, 
Okay. Like I accept it. They're gone, whatever. These emotional states are actually really, really important and significant. And I think that's lost within this world of manifestation where we think we're supposed to be vibrating at the best, at the highest, at enlightenment. And that's not true because what we end up doing there is we end up not fully processing our emotions, right? Like I see this sometimes with clients when I teach them the principles of manifestation, they feel a quote unquote bad feeling. And I don't believe in that feelings are are neutral, but they feel what we would call a bad feeling. They're like, oh God, if I feel this, I'm not going to manifest. But what's happening is you're not actually processing that energy and that energy is, is stuck somewhere. Right. So doesn't matter how many times you say I'm enough or I'm over it. I trust it doesn't matter. That energy has to be processed. And so, yeah, it's really about just slowly working your way up to whatever you have access to. And that makes a huge difference in the world of manifestation. That checks out like (laughs) in my brain, you know, because there are some things that are so far removed from your actual worldly experience, right? That they seem absolutely impossible. It's like I could just as easily turn into an elephant as I could turn into a billionaire. And I have no idea what that would feel like or look like. And it's much more reasonable to say like, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I start with getting a job that pays me a hundred K and like, okay, great. Then once I understand what that feels like, I get used to that. It's, It's more within my grasp. I can work up to, you know, the big Mount Everest thought, but yeah. really like that idea. Yeah. So how did you come to learn about manifestation in this way that you clearly, you know your stuff when it comes to like understanding nuance, which I think a lot of people don't. <laughs> so how did you, how did you like get out of the vortex that doesn't show you nuance and understand these elements for yourself? Was it through practice? Was it through just being like, kind of an optimistic skeptic and giving the side eye to these sorts of teachings? Like, how did that work for you? So in my early thirties, I am still in my thirties. That made me sound like I'm like 52. (laughs) Not there's anything wrong with it, but like when I turned 30, when I turned 30, I was like single and I just was like, the belief was you need to find a partner. You need to find a partner. You need to get married. You need to find a partner. You're 30. Like, let's get on this. This timeline is, is running out. And because of what I was believing, I kept getting into terrible relationship after terrible relationship. And so I was like, okay, something's gotta give. And I had my like, come to Jesus moment, which we've all had. We've had that like partner where we're like, you know what, maybe you're the common factor in this equation. You know, I want to hear this. What was your, like, paint it like a picture, like, no, a movie. What was your come to Jesus moment where you're like, God damn it. It's me. It's me. Shit. Also, we love a breakup story of any kind. We do love a breakup story here. This is a good one. This is a really good one. This is a great one. So this person, he and I dated for six months. And when we first started dating, like he was, just, he was a very sweet, actually throughout the entire relationship, super sweet, super wonderful. But there were just like a couple things that never made sense, especially around money, but I could never mm. put my finger on it. Like it, it wasn't clear. It wasn't whatever, but like something intuitively inside me was like, there is something off. And so we're together. And then five months into the relationship, I decided to go see him at his work. He, he worked at a bar 
now in hindsight, I realized I had actually never been to that bar. Every time I wanted to go to that bar to see him, he was like, oh, I just finished my shift early. <gasps> all the, yeah, all these things where I was like, in hindsight at the time though, I was like, oh, we got off work early. Cool. Like <laughs> he's coming over. And so I go to the bar and the, he's like, not there. He's, this is a night he always worked supposedly. And so I'm like looking around, not there. So I asked the hostess and I'm like, Hey, is so-and-so here? And she was like, there is no so-and-so that works here. Like there's never been a so-and-so. No. And I was like, Oh, <gasps> did you snap. immediately like, freak out? Did you know what was happening? Or were you like, I just, must be a mistake. No, I immediately, <laughs> like it was, my intuition was like, that's it, bitch. Like that was it. You know, like <laughs> you just knew you're like, Oh God, here Shit. it's going down. <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't even question it. I was like, Oh, I like, you know, like in a movie where like a beautiful mind where everything like comes <laughs> together in your head. Yes. I was like, Oh, right. Cause he never worked here. And <laughs> so come to find out homeboy had never worked there and homeboy had, let's just say not a very legal occupation. And yeah. So finally he comes out with the truth of what's been happening. And I ended up staying with him for an extra month after I found out the truth because I was like, but he's so nice. He loves me so much. He can change. I don't want to be single and have to like go through that whole process again. And for me, that month was the come, like that was, that was like, it was like, for me, I never was like angry at myself for falling for the lie because, Mm. you know, shit happens. Like people are, you know, just people are people like that. I could have, I never held that against myself, but that month, was my wounds, was my shadows, was my beliefs. Like I was like, that month was me saying, this is what you actually deserve in love Mm -hmm. and life. Mm -hmm. And that was the wake up call. I was like, whoa, there is something going on that you would be okay with being with someone who is like, yes, he is a good person. Yes, he does love you, but you can't be with someone who's, you know, done this mostly lied. I don't care how you make your money, but if you're not going to be honest with me. So that was my come to Jesus moment. Oh man, that's a big one. That was a big one. That'll be in my that's memoir. A, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I can picture it. Yeah. You look yeah, amazing. Was... You've got this awesome outfit on. You're like, I'm going to show yeah. up at his work. It's going to be, yes. and then, oh. Yeah, he does not work here. No, and so that's when I was like, okay, you like need help. You need guidance, something. And I'd done lots of therapy. And then I'd like never really heard of, co- like I, that, this is when coaching was just kind of new on the scene and was mm. still kind of like a weird thing, which I still think sometimes it is weird, although it's a lot more accepted in our society. Oh, it's totally weird stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. So this was like five years ago. I feel um, like now therapy is normalized and coaching is the new therapy where yeah. people are so judgmental of coaching. Like so-and-so is a life coach, but they're only 30. Yeah. Mm. So this was like even before the now time. So it was like five, six years ago, but I was listening to a podcast and this person was speaking and she was, she focused on relationship coaching for single women and everything she said, just like, was like reverberating in my bones. Mm. And so I was like, I I don't know what the hell this coaching thing is, but I got to work with this person. And 
I didn't know it at the time, but what we were doing, it was like a year long program with her was, was manifestation. It was like, I didn't know it, but I was like, Oh, like she was teaching us really the ins and outs of manifestation, but starting with like shadow work and inner child work, because that is what manifestation, I always say is a sign of healing. You know, we don't manifest abundance so we can heal. We heal so we can, you know, manifest. Wait, did I say that right? Yes, it's, yeah. It's not the abundance <laughs> that makes us heal, right? It's the healing yeah. that creates the abundance or whatever that is. It sounds yeah. much better on my Instagram. Go check it out. It's a great quote. <laughs> but but for me, yes, manifestation is, is, is the ultimate symbol of healing. And so, but we were going to, and the books she was giving us. So there was, you know, Abraham Hicks and there was Gabby Bernstein. And so I was reading all this stuff and it was really making a change in in my life. Like even working with her, I didn't meet my partner until three or three years after I stopped working with her. Wow. However, my experience of dating totally changed where I was dating better people and it was more fun. And I think that's what manifestation also gives us is that it makes the journey really enjoyable because Mm. what manifestation asks you to do is to imagine that there's no gap between where you are and where you want to be, that you deserve and should be experiencing all of those incredible feelings now. And Mm. so I think that's another one of the gifts that we don't really fully understand. We're like so focused on the goal is that we don't realize manifest. Yeah. Because manifestation still takes time. Like, I don't think I was doing it wrong that I met my husband three years later, but that's 36 months, like 48 months. If you count the time I was working with this person, that's a lot of time. And throughout that, like I had like that idea of faith, what were the things I was saying to myself, right? Like Mm -hmm. before I was dating and if it didn't work out, I'd be like, yeah, that's because, you know, you're, you're not pretty enough. Nobody really wants to be with you. All the good people are taken. I I live in New York city. So like then on Mm -hmm. top of that, like New York city is trash and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's, it's so funny. This, the, the location thing though, I swear to God, every human being I work with, will blame their location on why they can't have the thing, whether it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, Paris, <laughs> France, to like New York City. Like, so I, just I have wanna... an LA st- stereotype that I heard recently and I was like, oof, this checks out, is that LA is, yeah. is home to the man child. So I was like, hmm, hadn't heard that, but kind of. <laughs> I feel like that could apply to many cities. Totally, <laughs> Unfortunately. Totally. What I love that you said just now also was anchoring in the feeling, not in the goal, because so much of manifest station talk is about getting the thing, whether it's the job or the finances or the house or whatever it is. And that shift in perspective changes your relationship to the idea of manifestation and what it means. Yeah. So when I teach manifestation, I, it's a four-step process. I call it flow. And the first step is F, which is focus, focus on the thing you want. That's nuanced though, because often I find either one people are too afraid to to be like, this is what I want. Right. And this mm-hmm. goes into that place of like dreaming and imagining. I think as adults, we're really afraid to dream and manifestation, like the portal to manifestation is imagination and dreaming. And so either it's, it's that, or we get way too specific mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you can't have all those things. Yeah. Right. But like, especially let's, let's use the example of partnership, because I think that's a very common one is I'll have people who are like, well, they have to be six, two, they have to make this income. They have this, 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 and that, which is fine. But for me, it's about the feelings. Cause you think those 
things are going to make you feel, I don't know, secure, stable, sexy, whatever that is. And so I say, okay, cool. Let's have that list, but actually let's create another list. that's a little bit more important, which is how you imagine you're going to feel or what these goals or attributes, like what the feelings are, because really what we're chasing is a feeling. We're always mm. chasing a feeling when we create the goal. So if we know what the feeling is like, so my story with my husband, which I talk about often when I do my courses on manifestation is I had my list. It was super, super specific. And my coach at the time was like, okay, like let's also create the feelings list. And she had us do for 30 days, we had to do like a med a future meditation where we were with our partner. And it was always, the she was like the same memory. It's a future memory, but mm. you cannot see their face. Do not see their face. Do not like, is that sometimes you were like, they're going to look like whilst you're in the same <laughs> No, I like that. I was just going to, ooh, ah, like I, I like this exercise. Yes. So you're supposed to focus on how it feels being with them. Like really like the feelings of what, like when they hold your hand and when you, whatever. And I swear to God, like, so again, I did this like four years before I met my husband. Flash forward four years later, we're on our third date. And like something happened and I was like, oh crap, like I've been here before. Like it was exactly that feeling I had in that future memory. And that's how I knew. And, and I realized at that point that I had been trying to fabricate, like I would be like with every other person who was close, I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of like the future memory. Ooh. But then in that moment on that your eyes a little bit, this is, this could be, this yes. could be it. <laughs> on that date, I was like, oh crap, this, this is it. So mm. the feelings are the anchor, I think of manifestation, but this, this, so the second, that was, that was F L is live in the energy, which means when you plant the seed of desire, you raise your energy, your vibration, your feelings to where, where you imagine like you would be when you get that thing, which mm. it's like, it's yeah, it, that's, I think the toughest one, like the secret talks about the first step, like, what do you want? But it doesn't talk about the other stuff because let me tell you when you're on year three of not finding your partner, that's hard to just like live in the energy of it all. And yeah. To, yeah, to maintain that vibration. Yeah. And what, what I always say to people too, is you're going to have moments where it wanes and dips and that's okay. That is mm -hmm. totally, because I think sometimes we think, oh gosh, like I, I've lost my faith. I've lost. And, and no, it's totally fine and okay to have those moments of doubt and insecurity, but like mm -hmm then I teach clients the tools, how to get back in a very genuine, authentic way to that place again. Yeah. I really like how you're framing this up because I think that sometimes problematic aspect of manifestation that pops up is like, you're being punished because you mm. didn't do this right. You're okay, yes. You didn't Test. have faith. Yes. So you're being punished. You're not going to get the thing that you want because you didn't do this right. And that's like a style of distorted cognitive thinking, right? It's the heaven's reward fallacy. If I'm good, good things happen. If I'm bad, bad things happen. I deserve good things if I'm good. If I, I deserve bad things if I'm bad. And that's a sort of strange wrap up in entitlement. That's so fascinating. And I really like how you're not talking about that. How you're like, actually, like this is all for you. This isn't some test coming from God or universe or source. This is like, you choose how you want to feel. And it feels better to feel good than it does to feel bad. 
So it's more fun to have fun. Let's have fun. Let's get back into that feeling. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and how to do that in a healthy way and how to like, and you're going to have moments in time where it doesn't feel as fun and that's okay. That's also part of the process too. Cause yeah. I think that's also left out of the equation. So I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but I think, so when I was learning about manifestation, I like loved it. I was like, this is great. And I was reading Course in Miracles and all of these great texts, but what was really bothering me was like, this is not taking into account some really big things like white supremacy and Mm -hmm. trauma and marginalization. And so we can't talk about these concepts like this mm-hmm. across the board, because then we get into this thing of people thinking there's something wrong with them or people thinking that this isn't for them when it is, it's absolutely for everyone. But that to me kind of like, I, I was like, you know, when I realized I really wanted to be a coach and manifestation is just part of my toolkit, but just across the board, I was like, I want these ideas to be accessible. I want these ideas that are rooted in BIPOC cultures, Mm -hmm. may we add, that reclamation of all of that, that acknowledgement of all of that. Because when you look at the history of manifestation, it comes from a lot of BIPOC traditions. It comes from ancient cultures. And there was kind of this change, a shift around the turn of the century with the publication of... So it's The Science of Getting Rich, and I'm forgetting the other book now because they're written by white men and they're trash. Not all of them, not all of them. But so there was kind of these books where, yes, it is about manifestation and, you know, positive thinking, but really framing it on getting rich, framing it on objectives and goals. And so, so then I feel like the soul of manifestation started to get lost and it started to get very co-opted by white culture. And yeah. I, th- I think personally, and I have capitalism done, and capitalism. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. The sci- I mean, the science of getting rich, yeah. <laughs> getting rich, yeah. 100%, right. <laughs> and science. so I haven't done like extensive research on it, but from what I have read and what I understand is like, that's kind of where we lose the soul of manifestation and mm. it becomes very whitewashed. It becomes very capitalistic. It becomes just very yeah, it just kind of gets lost. And so for me, when I teach manifestation now, like the, the first things I acknowledge are the, the traditions and the roots it comes from, that it, it is for everyone. However, if you have, if you come from marginalized community, if you have experienced trauma, it's, there's just some, there's some challenges, but those challenges are absolutely navigatable. They're absolutely like we can, you know, but it's, it, you know, it just takes a little bit more work. And also we can't talk about manifestation, not talk about like systems of oppression. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, that's not man. Like that's white supremacy. The fact you can't manifest shit sometimes is because white supremacy yeah. and capitalism and patriarchy. And so to not name those things seems so disingenuous, seems very like, it's, just it's more of the same. This is where actually like one of my dreams in life is to, is to write a book about manifestation from a BIPOC perspective. <gasps> we need that. I just got chills. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And that is like one of the things like I would love, 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 love to research because there it like, it's rooted in so many West African, like African traditions, indigenous mm. traditions, like Ashe means, and so it shall be like, that's one of the interpretations of it. Yeah. I mean, I cannot, like, I can't speak specifically to it, but that is like one of my dreams is to just like travel and speak with people 
and find those things. But I do think it's really telling that we can't just name them or say them because it's so much harder to find that stuff than like Wallace Waddles, the science of getting rich, because that's what people are publishing and that's what people Mm -hmm. are focusing on. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I do that research, I will come back and I will tell y'all all about it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. So what you're saying is you're going to come back and hang out with us. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the I, I kind of like went on a bender. I feel like you're learning a lot about me today and my personality, but I went on this like super deep dive on Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich. Because yes, was, like, that was the other person I forgot. Yes, Wallace. Yes, Wallace yeah. Waddles and Napoleon Hill. Yes. He was a huge scamster, like fraud, scam, like honestly, sort of a terrible person. I don't say that about a lot of people, but truly had no ethic or moral compass. And he's applauded by so many new age spiritual people as a pillar of manifestation and spiritual practice. I'm like, you guys know, he's like not a, he's a criminal, right? Like not in a cool way, like in a bad way, like used and abused people and was just like a scam artist. And it's just, I feel like that legacy is so, so present still in the spiritual space of a lot of information that's like, that's repackaged and repurposed that doesn't have a lot of depth to it or soul to it. And feels a lot like an MLM, right? Like, let me teach you how to make a lot of money using affirmations, but you have to pay me a thousand dollars to do it. And then you'll be rich like me. I have a million dollars. And that is something that I'm like kind of looking at, giving the side eye. I'm going to keep using that. I'm seeing that happen a lot in the wellness and spiritual space. And I'm curious, like, how do you feel about that as someone who's in the industry? Like, what do you do? Does it like, does it dysregulate you? Or are you kind of just like, whatever, I know I'm cool. I'm on my path. Like, how does that work for you? You, I mean, Yes, everything you're saying is truth. And a lot of the pillars of the world in which we find ourselves, if we're into self-growth and self-help and self-development and spirituality, like a lot of the foundational people, if you look back at it, you're like, whoa, (laughs) these are trash people. So many (laughs) trash people. So many trash people. Like you guys Um, don't Google Louise Hay too hard because you're going to find some shit you do not like, my friend. I know. And I've heard weird things about Abraham Hicks and I'm just like, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because we see this now in so many different areas of like art literature, filmmaking, like you name it in, in the art world, especially too, where you're like, oh, wait, maybe we shouldn't have supported that filmmaker for 30 years and given him so many Oscars and, and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be curious what you see as being one of the taboo things within the manifestation talk that is going to be something we look back on in a few years. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh. I'm like, there's so many. So like, yeah, <laughs> there's so many. Cause I, again, like, I just feel like, unfortunately, I think manifestation is such a wonderful tool. And I think it's one that's accessible to all of us, whatever we're trying to manifest, but it's just unfortunately lost its soul. It's lost mm. its soul. And I think a lot of us are trying to, reclaim that soul. And, and I think, you know, I think we're doing a good job of it, but it's hard because as you said, MLM marketing 
is really flashy and sexy. And Mm -hmm. someone telling you you're going to make a million dollars if you say, I am going to make a million dollars, that is a little more sexy than saying, hey, like, let's do some inner child work (laughs) and let's Let's right. make the journey enjoyable. And, it's and this like, might yeah. take some time. <laughs> like, right. time, you know, and so. And it's not linear. It's more like a spiral, actually. <laughs> yes, it's not linear. And so all these things, but I'm like super optimistic and I'm encouraged by like what's been shifting and changing within the wellness world. For me, I think one of the most exciting things about like having my own business and practice and work is that I get to do this the way that I wish it was done, Mm. you know? And I think a lot of us now are doing that. And and because of the unfortunate events of the last year, a lot more BIPOC healers are actually being, they're being followed or listened to or whatever. They've been around forever. But I, I do think having people like Lala Dahlia and Mariam Hasna and so many other, those are the big names, right? But so many other people who are looking at this world and not in that MLM way, in the way of ancestral knowledge and intuition and healing, that's what this shit is. It's like going to the village elder and speaking with them and having a conversation instead of like going to see Tony Robbins and walking over fire. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different feeling. And I'm really optimistic that there's actually going to be a real change within the world of wellness for Mm -hmm. the better, for the better, because I think the trajectory it was taking was very toxic and harmful. And yeah. Definitely. And it strikes me that, you know, you were talking about shame as the lowest frequency and I think that's often what pe- keeps people in MLMs, right? Keeps them quiet. Is... I mean, that's what that's what MLM marketing is. It just mm-hmm. it it it's exposing shame. It's like putting a magnifying glass on your shame. And mm-hmm. and I think that it is a very difficult space right now to navigate because um, you know, like some therapists suck, but at least there's a certification board. There's like, you know, like so, yeah. but that's not what we find with healers and with coaches and with, you know, and so I think that's also really hard to navigate is like, what is legit and real and what is just snake oil, you know? Totally. Yeah. A a lot of the manifestation work that I got into moving to LA really played on that shame factor. And I was like, this feels awful. I don't want to feel this way while, you know, creating the life that I want this, something about this feels off. Yeah. Yep. And I think following that is we have to follow that more. If something does not feel right, there's something else out there that's (laughs) going to feel more aligned. Listen to your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing I I feel like I keep learning over and over again in the wellness space, because I've been, I got into wellness when I was, you know, 17, because I started having these crazy seizures out of the blue. And so I've had a very interesting journey over the last, I don't know, 14 years. But the thing that I I learn over and over again is that there's no finite answer. There's no black and white answer. It's not that that's 100% wrong or that's 100% right. There's always some middle. So if someone tells you, this is the only way to do this, there's only one way to do this. If you do not do it this way perfectly, exactly like this, then you won't get what you want. Run in the opposite direction because that's just not how this world works. We don't live in a binary. Yeah, no, oh, that's such wonderful advice. Yes, 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 yes. 
Well, I'm glad there's people like you out there who are teaching manifestation from such a like empowering place and realist place and also a really magical place because I think what ends up happening is we get sort of jaded and then we throw everything away, right? It's that black or white thinking again. We really are like living in a world because of things like social media that pushes to the edges and like someone wrongs us even in a little bit, a little tiny way or disappoints us in a way, we delete them out of our lives, right? We unfollow, we never think about them again. And same thing with practices. Oh, this this mystical practice didn't exactly work the way that I wanted. Well, I guess I'm not spiritual anymore. And I love that you are bringing back that nuance. It seems like you really encourage people to bring back that nuance and not just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Having it worded that way, sometimes, you know, you're doing the work and you're like, you don't know what you're doing. You just know it feels right to you. But yeah, that is what I do. Thank you for naming that, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm just here to be a mirror, you know? <laughs> oh, well, this was such a delight. Thank you for having this conversation. I think it's a conversation that's really important to have because again, I think for a long time, I just didn't think manifestation like just wasn't for me, mm-hmm. but like, I was really curious, like, you know, I, I watched the secret, I read it, I do my little rituals, but like, I wasn't manifesting anything. And I just thought, well, the problems with you, right. It's the way it's being taught and who's teaching it and how they're teaching it. It's not, the problem is never you. And so mm-hmm. just like you, you all said, like, if something doesn't feel right, then it's not for you, but go seek out. There are spaces, there are people out there that will resonate with you and it will, it will just take some time. It may take some time. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I mean, can't believe I'm saying this, but you might've got me back into manifestation. That's a huge feat, dude. It's been years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a course, me and a good friend. I don't know if y'all know Aaliyah Lovely. Yeah. We listen to the podcast. Yeah. She and I made a course She's amazing. She's amazing. But she and I made a manifestation course just for love and it's called manifest them. And you can go to manifestthem.com to find out more about that. But it's, that's focused just on relationships. Cause that's one, we just like across the board, clients are always like, how do I manifest love? And we're like, okay, let's just make a course. There you go. People yeah. always need that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. Amazing. And how else can people find you and learn and work with you and learn more about your method of manifestation? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at wholehearted coaching. My website is wholehearted-coaching.com. And I also have a podcast. I always forget I have a podcast. I'm like, like, wait, I just, that's not good. podcast y'all it's a good podcast um it's wholehearted coaching the podcast and yeah if you follow me on any of those platforms um I offer small group coaching programs and also bigger ones throughout the year I open up the doors kind of once every so often so if you're interested in my work yeah get on my email list or follow me on Instagram Thank you so much, Sharon, for talking to us. Thank you so, so much for having me. This was such a wonderful conversation. And y'all, you're you're doing the good work, which I think we need more nuance. As you said, we need more nuance in the world of wellness. And yeah, there should be a healthy amount of like skepticism inside eye because sometimes you need to have that, you know? That's how you don't accidentally join a cult you know, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And doing it with a sense of humor, because 
not everyone's out to get us and like we can have fun while also like really deeply believing in these things. So yes. Yeah. I appreciate that about you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Thank you. All right. And that's our episode. I hope that you enjoyed this three-part series on manifestation with Jaleesa Cypress, Milana Snow, and Sharin Eskandani, all amazing spiritual teachers and human beings that we are delighted to connect with. So go follow them and go listen to those episodes. If you liked this, I think you're going to love those. And if you want to go back to the episode that started it all, check out our episode with Amanda Chase on problematic aspects of manifestation. And I'd love to hear from you. What did you think about this series? What are your thoughts on manifestation? Are you in? Are you out? Are you writing lists? Are you doing something else? Like, tell me everything. I want to know. I'm open. I'm open. Pretty open. And of course, if you like this podcast, it makes such a big difference to us if you subscribe to it, if you rate it and review it. I know everyone says it because it's true. And there is a lot happening in on the back end of podcasting right now because of Spotify and Apple. And that means that reviews and subscribers and listeners, they count even more now than they did before. So if you could just hit subscribe, that would mean the world to us. We want to keep this podcast. We No, we're just like 100% committed to keeping this podcast free for you because we want to make all of our work as accessible as possible. So in order to do that really, really helps us if we are on the charts. So subscribing helps us do that. All right. I think that's it. That's my request. If you like this series on manifestation, if you could smash that subscribe button, you have my eternal favor. I will make all your manifestations come true. And bang, bang, boom. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we love making this show for you and stay cool out there. And I'll see you on the internet. Bye.